3: I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Quinta Brunson has earned her spot at the head of the class. At just 32, she won her first primetime Emmy for writing her mega-hit show, Abbott Elementary. Quinta became the first black woman to receive three Emmy nominations for comedy in the same year. Born in Philadelphia, her parents named her Quinta because she is the youngest of their five children. As a little girl, she fell in love with acting and dancing on stage. In 2014, Quinta self-produced her own Instagram series called The Girl Who's Never Been on a Nice Date. Her phrase, he got money, made her an online sensation while her face became an instantly recognizable meme. As a young showrunner for BuzzFeed, Quinta produced and starred in several comedy series that helped bring in more than one billion monthly views. Then in 2019, she had a breakout role as one of the four leading ladies on HBO's hilarious A Black Lady Sketch Show. Last year, America fell in love with the new ABC comedy, Abbott Elementary. Quinta is the creator, executive producer, head writer, and star. The show has defied the odds and become a monster hit. Every Wednesday night on ABC and streaming on Hulu, the phenomenon brings generations of families together through the power of laughter. It's now back for season two. I sat down with Quinta in my garden, where we talked about her rise to fame and how she stays true to herself and her family during life in the spotlight. Can I tell you, I am so proud of you. Thank you. I'm going to try not to start crying and have mascara <laughs> running early on, but I am so proud of you, and it is such a honor for me to witness your rising. Oh, because. My rising started at exactly the same time, at the same age, at 32. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that when it comes this way, Mm -hmm. it means you are fully ready to receive it. Yes, I mean, that's how I feel about it. I was um, such a big fan
4: of you as a little girl. My mom watched your show every single day, Mm. and I watched with her. But then as I got older and got into media, you were not only one of the only women and mm-hmm. black women who had had the career you had, but one of the only people, oh. period. So seeing where you got your roots, starting at local stations, stuff like mm-hmm. that, inspired me to go get an internship at a local station. Really? <laughs> yeah, you were a big part of me just believing I could be in television at all. But um, I think I was too young to know that it was representation. Yes. It was just that, this is Oprah, she's yeah. in my living room. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And. I like her, and she did it. So
3: <laughs> I don't know. I'm it means it's to. possible. Yeah. It means it's possible. It's like the first time I saw Sidney Poitier. Uh-huh. When I mean, there were no black people anywhere. Yeah. But the first time I saw him, mm-hmm. as I've told that story so many times, I thought, Wow, mm-hmm. if yep. he could do that, yep. that means it's possible. Yep.
0: Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us, without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So
3: welcome to my garden.
4: Thank you for having me. It's It's wonderful to have you here, really.
3: Congratulations on the huge success of Abbott Elementary. Thank you. And winning your first Emmy! (laughs) Oh my God, yes. Thank you so much, I
4: appreciate it.
3: Still processing it, still can't. You know,
4: maybe a year from now, it'll just completely set in, but yeah.
3: I think it actually never settles in. Mm -hmm. I will have to say, it never settles in. And it is is an out-of-body experience when it's happening. Yes. And it's so surreal, isn't it? Yes, yes. And you know what it is, and you know you're there, and you're
4: going through the thing. Even going up on the stage and, you know, thinking, and you still feel like maybe you're in a dream, and it's just a really good dream. Yeah. And then it still happens the next day. You're like, oh, that wasn't a dream. I didn't wake up yet but it is the manifestation of like living your dreams every
3: yes right that's why it's to. so fascinating rewarding yeah privileged for me to witness it because it's like reliving it for myself oh, I love because that. when you're in it you can't even take it all in. No. And I, I, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this, but mm-hmm. I already know what your life is like. It's <laughs> happening at such a full velocity mm-hmm. that you can't even receive it all. Absolutely. And it's only after you've stepped back yes, and things have slowed down, yep. which is going to be a long time for you, that you're able to even see what that even was.
4: Even being here, my wonderful, wonderful supportive team is like, you're at, we're at Oprah's house. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know that in theory, we're at Oprah's house, but I'm just, you know, what will tomorrow bring? I don't know. Yes. I can't
3: keep up with what yeah. the day. You can't, bring. you can't because yeah. it's happening at, at the velocity. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it's the velocity of it. All.
4: But it feels, which I'm sure you felt because you worked so hard and yeah. you were so good at what you did. It feels well earned. It's not that it doesn't
3: feel earned. It's I just. I know uh, I've never had happening. a moment's mm-hmm. imposter syndrome. Me either. I just thought, Oprah. Wait, like, this is crazy. I I've ever had t- a moment
4: in Me imposter. Syndrome. Either. Yeah. I think
3: it's my biggest flaw is that I don't have imposter syndrome. Uh, it's not a flaw, and even when people talk about it, they're the first you know now it's, mm. it's used all the time people right. talk about it. But when I first heard it I was like impo- I went and looked it up. Yeah, yeah. Cuz I'm like what is that? It didn't what does compute, that mean? Right? Yeah, <laughs> because didn't compute because just like you mm-hmm. it looks like overnight success, right. but this has been coming since that first dance recital. Exactly. That moment where you were in the dance program, Mm -hmm. you look out and you Mm -hmm. saw your family, all of them standing there cheering you on and felt. I think performing and writing and creating,
4: producing, I feel like I'm still always just doing it like for my family. They're the best focus group because growing up, we all found ways to like laugh together Mm -hmm. despite being a multi-generational household, honestly. Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, there was a point my grandfather lived with us too. And having all of these different people with vastly different senses of humor, yeah, vastly different educational levels, mm-hmm. the programs that brought us together were meaningful to me. Whether it brought us all together as a family or just individuals, for instance, watching Oprah with my mom, mm-hmm. that was our time. Mm-hmm. And I think that even kept us together when I turned into a teenager and you know, angsty and stuff. My mom was watching Oprah in the living room. I was still gonna go watch mm-hmm. with her because I found it. That was our time together. Yeah. And then there were comedies we all sat and watched with each other, like a show called King of Queens that for some reason, that was me, my mom, and my dad. And then my sisters and I, we'd watch and live in color together. And mm. my brother and I watch Ace Ventura together. And my oldest brother, who was in prison most of my life, we would send letters to each other about what shows I was enjoying. and. Um, connecting with them directly makes me feel like I'm always able to do it for everyone else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I still consider them
3: my most important audience. This is what's interesting to me, is I know now everybody is gaga over your success. We both know that that doesn't come overnight, as we were just saying. And in order for Abbott Elementary to have struck the nerve that it has and have the kind of impact that it continues to have, you had to have a really clear intention about what that is. You know, intention is like my religion. It's what I live by. It's what I ordered the show by from 1989. Mm -hmm. I would say all of the producers don't come to me unless you're clear about your intention. Mm -hmm. So what was your intention in creating that?
4: I saw a feeling missing in the marketplace of television, really. Also, I've just studied marketing and business. And Mm -hmm. when something is missing, it's an opportunity to make something. And then creatively, there was a feeling that was missing. I didn't have anything I really could watch with my parents and enjoy. They had shows that they enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But we weren't having the same laughs. And having the same laugh is really important to me. Yes. Um, I think it's spiritual. I think it is spiritual. It's healing. Yes. And I started to notice that divide with the generations, even you know, I'm a millennial, because of the internet and technology, the gap between millennials and the generation before them, it became so big. Mm-hmm. The humor divide was big. We mm-hmm. just weren't laughing at the same things anymore. And then Gen Z, it's started getting even worse. you know, that's yeah. a generation totally of the internet, born on the internet. And I really just wanted to make something that brought everyone together. My grandfather passed away, but he was 95, and I loved watching TV with him. And I wanted to have a show where he, I, and my nephew, who was three years old at the time, we could all watch it together. Wow. And find a laugh with each other. That's what was missing. And so my intention was to create that. And Abbott proved to be the perfect vehicle, having characters like Barbara and Melissa Mm -hmm. Along with the Janine and the children in the school,
3: had it been sitting with you for a while? Had it been bubbling up in you? Yes, or you'd been thinking about the mm-hmm. idea of the school. Yeah, I think I could have made anything.
4: There were two shows I sold before Abbott, that I was well intentioned about. Mm-hmm. But I think, as you know, with being intentioned, even if that thing fails, yeah. which I also don't really believe in, I failing, don't believe in failure
3: either. <laughs> even if that thing is just showing you another showing direction, you another way, yeah.
4: giving you a lesson. That's right. And so the other shows I sold. I just took so many lessons from those things. And i like, right. here's what I liked about that. Here's what I didn't like about that development process. Here's how I'd like that development process to be different in the future. And then I was with my mom a year and a half before she was about to retire. Mm-hmm. She hadn't decided to retire yet. Mm-hmm. I was pushing her to retire. I went to visit. And she was a kindergarten teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher. Yes. Barbara's based off yeah. of her. Yes. She was my kindergarten teacher. And I went to the school where she taught for five years after kindergarten, so I was always with her. And you know, even when I went into middle school and high school, she was so deeply connected to everyone because she knows all the teachers and she's a very well-loved teacher. So I had just been a part of the Philadelphia school district for so long. I moved to LA and then I think it was about seven years later, I go back to visit my mom at a school and I had that, you know, a place that you haven't been in a while and you take a step back and you get there it's like, oh, this warmth that you haven't felt in a while, but you're looking at it with a yes. different lens now. So just walking in the school, it's just like, wow, this is such a rich world I was a part of that I'm not anymore, but it's still just as rich and warm. And um, I see this with a outside view. It was very late, bad neighborhood. I really was pushing my mom to just retire and get out of the schools. Mm-hmm. And she was pushing me to get back to Philadelphia because she couldn't quite see the vision for my career yet. And um, she was there very late for a open house that her mm-hmm. principal made them stay late for. <laughs> and um, I, w- I was pissed about that too, I didn't like that. And no one's coming in. Yes. And then a parent walks in at 7.58 and I was livid. I was like, how could you not get here earlier? Yeah. But that woman was a nurse and that was as soon as she could get there. And it was yeah. a parent my mom really wanted to talk to. And she sat down and had the parent-teacher conference with this woman. And I just sat at the desk watching all of it. And that's when the idea came to me just so fully f- fleshed wow. out. I was like, this show about these people, I know the humor. Including and the nurse who's late. Yeah, that wound up being yes. our 10th episode of the first season. Yes. Yeah. I was like, this is it. This is what I want to make next. Yeah.
3: You know, teachers <laughs> have always been my heroes. Yeah. I, I know that if we I hadn't them. been doing this job, yeah. I would have you know, been like, and if I had done a show, it would have been called Duncan Elementary (laughs) because of Mrs. Duncan. Yeah. Yeah, she was the first person that saw me Mm -hmm. fully and made me feel like I I mattered. And so Ms. Joyce Abbott did that for you. Ms. Abbott did that for me after leaving
4: my mom's wing. I went to sixth grade, uh, a new, a middle school, a new Mm -hmm. school, and I was very nervous. I was, for the first time, not with my mommy. And uh, she... Got me together and said, this is not you. We're not doing the um the shy girl, cry girl act. We are going to become a sixth grader. <laughs> we are going to grow up and, and we're gonna we're gonna join the real world. And I said, okay. And then she taught just some of the best lessons in the world. She taught us how to sell pretzels, which I really think goes hand in hand with selling a TV show. I can't prove it, but <laughs> um she had us turn our... Those big salty
3: Philadelphia pretzels. Philadelphia pretzels. pretzels. Yes. And there are lessons in that that are important. And then... Um, well, I think every kid should have a job. I think to <laughs> not to have a job Every up, child? Eventually, you should have a job. A job, should, yeah. yeah.
4: My first job was at 14 teaching yeah. dance classes yeah. and it
3: was important for me. Yeah. I think to not have a job, then you... you I've seen kids, literally, lots of friends who have children that never work, you never yeah. understand the value of what work and money yes. really means without yes.
4: a job. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I agree. And I like... To work, yes, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is something I learned from an early age. I enjoy caring about the work I do. Yeah. you know, I enjoy caring about the people I work with.
1: Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a foxoliner, moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. Could yeah. there be a
3: better honor as a teacher to be remembered <laughs> and then have a show named after you? According to Miss Abbott, no.
4: Wow. So, and she was just about to retire. So, wow. yeah, I was happy that she was able to get that gift.
3: You know what, so uh, there are many extraordinary things about the show, but one of the things I love is like the attention to detail. You know, like beginning of the season where Uh, Gregory's the only one who notices the part in the hair. Your mother said that you've always been extremely observant. Is that observance and being able to look at life and take the little things you think what makes Abbott what it is?
4: Absolutely. I think the little details are what make something Mm -hmm. unique or special. Mm -hmm. And that goes from the characters in Abbott to the set decoration in Mm -hmm. Abbott making sure it really has that warmth of that kind of school goes down to a certain kind of dirt on the door. You know, yeah. knowing that this door has been here for 40 years and it can't even be cleaned anymore because yes. it's built up so much little kid filth. Or like you said, with the characters with Gregory, one of my favorite smallest details is Barbara doesn't wear a lanyard because everyone knows who she is she already. Is, yes. We never call it out in the show. We never have to say it, but it's something that makes that's Cheryl, right, yeah. yes. It makes it make Cheryl more in love with the character.
3: She's been around so long, she didn't have to. She of course have not. To, and
4: no one's going to check her on it. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: I just think that
4: the tiniest details are what people really attach to, even well, if It's the thing
3: that make people go, ah, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: It's the aha moments. But I think the beauty of mockumentary is being there with the characters physically in the room with them. Mm -hmm. I thought that was important for Abbott because of the subject matter, a Philadelphia public school with predominantly black children. And I'm asking you to laugh with us. I think that's something that mockumentary can do well, make the audience laugh, hurt, cry with us and not at us. And I think I really needed it for that school. And I just felt it. It felt organic as I was watching my mom to put the audience in the room with these teachers and not on the outside looking in. I didn't want them to feel like experiments. I wanted everyone to go to Abbott, you know, everyone. And to be it, in it. And be in it. And be in it. Yeah.
3: And I heard that for you, it's the jokes are easier, but finding the soul of the show yes. is, is, is the priority. I love that one. I can't remember what episode, but when you walk into Gregory's classroom and he doesn't have any anything on the walls, and you say that the walls are the soul mm-hmm. of the classroom. Yep. What is the soul? How did you find Abbott's soul, Abbott's soul. and how do, you, how do you continue to find it every week? That's a good question
4: I have an answer for, I just haven't been asked yet. For Abbott, that's, you know, I don't know if you, either you make a show and it has a soul, or you make a show and it doesn't. And I think when it doesn't, that's really bad TV. It's the set, it's the characters, it's the love put into it, the attention to detail, the care for the story, the care for the characters. Abbott's soul is really well defined because it's so attached to me. It's attached to a real life experience, attached to my mother. Mm-hmm. It's not generic. And week after week, it's important to go deeper into the teacher's lives. Like, I always want to go to the more nuanced story. You know, people will say, Are you going to do a picture day episode? Maybe, but you could do that at any school. What's a story we can only tell at schools like Abbott? And for me, it's like the open house story, you know? It's stories like the development week with the Eagles. development week. (laughs) You know what
3: else was a very, very, like, I thought, profound. I thought you could say more in that episode about the gifted child. Yep. You can say more about that than you can do, Thousand articles, yeah, talking about it.
0: Yes, did you
4: do? You feel that too? I do, and I say that you know, in our writers room, our intention is not to spark conversation, but the gifted program came up in the room as this is a part of the soul of Abbott. What yeah. does the gifted program do with the Abbott staff? Yeah. How does Janine react to that? How does Gregory react to that? And it helps build a really beautiful story that then sparks
3: conversation,
4: but it's not necessarily my intention to.
3: Yeah, but actually, that was just such a beautiful eye-opener. Yeah. When, you know, here's a kid who may not be great at math, but he's great at nature, mm-hmm. and a kid who's great at drumming and music, but may not be good at science, you right. know? I think that was one of those moments that as I was watching, I thought, oh, so many people are gonna get this. Yeah. And they're gonna look at their own children differently.
4: Yep, and their
3: selves, And, their, selves, yeah. and, their, <laughs> and their and themselves, Yeah. 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 How do you see yourself and your generation actually changing the conversation around representation on television?
4: I see my generation taking the next steps. We now are able to tell more nuanced stories, and I think Abbott is a part of that. Mm -hmm. I hope that more of my generation comes to network television and they get to touch a lot of people all at once. Mm-hmm. I think streaming and cable have been where we veered to naturally to tell our smaller mm-hmm. stories. But I think giving those stories to everyone could be really, really cool and help the world see us all in a different way. Mm-hmm. Everyone I know wants to make another Abbott and I support it. I think whatever someone else's Abbott is, should be the next thing on the forefront. I think we've, we've had so much wonderful representation and we're grateful for it. I was not in my category, but I was watching Serena Williams retire. And I was like, this is, that did something for my soul for her to make that choice. Mm-hmm. It's a choice that we're not expected to be able to have. Yes. And I was like, man, I can't one day wait to have that choice and either take it or not and not care what anybody thinks. And I think now what's next is being free kind of, if that makes sense. I hope. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's easy, but I would love if we had more freedom for ourselves and uh, didn't have to feel the weight of the world on our shoulders or...
3: Are you feeling the weight right now or are you feeling feeling pretty good?
4: (laughs) I feel pretty good. I think I removed the weight a very long time ago. I felt like holding myself up
3: to represent everybody was a weight I didn't want to have. And even after the Emmys, you all were up for multiple Emmys. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you won and Cheryl won. <laughs> but you were like, glad we didn't win Best Comedy this yes. year because you would, feel, you would feel too much pressure? Yeah, I don't like a lot of uh,
4: expectations. For the second season, I didn't want people to come into Abbott expecting prestige. I yeah. think this season, we are, we're still just a toddler. We're trying things. We're figuring out our voice still, even though it's very defined. I want to have room to grow. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like winning would have snatched a little bit of the room to
3: grow. Really? Yeah. It would have been fun, too, though. If you it would not win, you'd have you, been, fun. been like, yeah. But now the pressure's on. Hey. And now the pressure would be for next season. <laughs> yeah. Now you have people still rooting.
4: Yes. That's, yes. I love to be the underdog. Yes, me just... too.
3: Girl, I love being underdog. I know. The underdog. Like, I, love love I, love I love it. Love being underestimated. I love it. Yeah. That's how I operate. I've, I've always operated well in that space yeah this has been interesting I know lots of people get offended being underestimated I say Mm. oh no 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 no, 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 no. no. use it use it I love it use it
4: it's fun I need a challenge the whole Oprah interview thing is like a little that's messing up my plan but (laughs) we uh we take
3: every day in stride um yeah (laughs) well one of your Abbott co-stars Tyler James Williams who plays Gregory yes uh said this about you she's managed to accomplish virality without acquiescing to the whims of trend and speak to the issues of the era, race relations, income, inequality, teacher pay, without bowing to the instability of the moment. How do you strike, that's what he said about you. I know. I mean, really. <laughs> when I read that sentence, I went, okay,
4: go ahead. Tyler He's James. So good at talking. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. So how do you strike that balance? I think by staying true to my own beliefs. And like you said, intention is a huge part of it. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: In a way, it is not caring what people think, which is so complicated, you know? It's complicated to wanna care about people and for people, but at the same time not wanna care what people think about you. Yes. Every day. That's the balance. Yeah, that's really the balance right there. But I feel like if I can stay true to what I believe is the best art I can make or the best decision I can make, sometimes it's just decision making, Mm -hmm. I think I'll always be fine. As long as I'm able to back myself up, believe in what I'm Mm -hmm. saying, stand on my own two feet, and even if I'm wrong. That's okay. That's
3: okay. One of the producers, when we were talking about, you know, we we're coming up with questions for you, and one of the producers was saying to me, "God, I wonder how she's managing the fame or holding herself together in the fame." And you know what I said? She's holding herself together because of the way she was raised. That's very and true. And by the time you get to this age, yep. and it happens to true. this, the star bursts, yeah. and the rest of the world gets to see mm-hmm. who you are and what you've been working on. Mm-hmm. It's everything that's ever happened to you up into this moment. Absolutely right.
4: I agree with that 100%. I have people who say, oh man, like, because I used to work for this company Buzzfeed, yeah. and people are like, oh man, do, either, you know, did you regret it or do, are you embarrassed of it? No, every single thing I've done
3: has led to now embrace all of it and the same thing for anybody watching us right now whatever you're doing right now yep. is preparing you for whatever is going to come yep so nothing is wasted nothing is if wasted. you're paying attention
4: absolutely which is why i felt you feel it too i don't yeah. believe in failure because i don't believe in it it's just day to day and um it's prepared even now it's preparing me for i know not what in yes. the future yeah but i do believe it's important to know the direction you're going into at mm-hmm. least i had a dance teacher and miss holly it always stuck with me she said a ballerina you should feel like you have a string tied from your head to the ceiling mm-hmm. so that no matter what the move is you do if you arabesque or mm-hmm. you know you plie you're always going to be brought back to that center that string uh. and i think about life that way no matter what move i do i feel like i have a string connecting me to Mm -hmm. You know, top of the universe, God, whatever people believe in. And then I don't veer too far away from it. And um, it makes everything I do worth it.
3: I think that's interesting. You said whatever people believe in because you were raised Jehovah's Witness for so long. Yeah. Yeah. You don't consider yourself a practicing Jehovah's Mm -hmm. Witness now. No. Yeah. But where is the belief?
4: I'm agnostic, Mm -hmm. but I do believe, mom's going to hate I believe in people. (laughs) I do. I believe that God is in people. And when someone does an act of kindness or when people work together and make something amazing happen. There's
3: a wonderful line in the Color Purple, uh uh, the musical, where the song is, God is inside you and everyone else. I agree. And that's the way it should be. And
4: that's how I feel. And I think it's a lot of the ethos behind Abbott, like everyday people just trying their best is so moving to me yeah. it makes me emotional I think when a person gets themselves out of bed and yeah. goes to work and like makes a difference for a person who is having a hard day or even just waves at a person mm-hmm. those are moments to me that are god mm-hmm. And I think that's probably a complicated view for a lot of people, because I b- still believe there is a God. Yeah. But I do think if we believe in putting that in that ourselves. That God is showing
3: <laughs> himself through all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that we are, Pierre Tellard de Chardin said this, mm-hmm. that we are spiritual beings. Mm-hmm having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And so what I, the reason why we all appreciate art mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. and back to Abbott Elementary, is because the humanity is being reflected back to ourselves yes. in a way that our, our actual spirit feels that. Yes, That's what's yes. happening, yes. that's what's happening.
4: I, yes, that's so uh, moving to hear, but I believe in that 100%. And yeah. um, small acts of inspiration, the fact that the show Inspires people. Inspiration alone to me feels godlike. To feel truly inspired. I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. I think it comes from. Something else. It's not coming
3: out of your head. To be truly inspired and to create real art, it's coming from the god in you. Yes, exactly. You know what I think it's so great? We did not know until you actually stood up and accepted your Emmy that you were married. i think that's fantastic thank you i appreciate and it and i want to give you a round of applause <laughs> for keeping that to yourself i had to i like because one of my biggest my... regrets is you know listen in the old back in the day i had stedman sitting up on the oprah <laughs> show and honey if i had that to do over absolutely not I would is... have never mentioned his name
4: these are the things i uh, i i lo- learning from the past yes. and knowing i had to keep that sacred for as long as I could until I had to Mm -hmm. thank him because I have, I had to, he deserved that. Thank you. And I love him. It would have been criminal to go up there and not thank him, but I had to protect that. So much of my life is public and only becoming more public that the things that really matter to me Mm -hmm. have to be kept protected, especially with our relationship. People still don't like interracial relationships. I can't say I'm I get it, but, you Mm -hmm. know, that's the person that I
3: am married to and love and want to protect. Yes. Yeah. And so is he the kind of person that, because I've had this with Stedman all these years, Mm -hmm. who steps back, Mm -hmm. allows me to be 100% fully in the rising of my own life and is not trying to be a part of it or compete with it or anything. I mean, if you got that.
4: I mean, I can't lose it. And uh, it's very hard for... I think women like me to find. Yes, you can find someone who's super um it's just hard to find. To be one hundred percent fully me requires a lot of stuff that a lot of men do not have time for. They even have thought they did in the past, but then realize there's no dimming me. Yep. And uh
3: Oh, that's the word. No dimming.
4: There's just none. I'm sorry. I can't have it. And and my husband is... That's what I mean by him being the biggest support, that there is no need to dim me at all. And that allows me to love him fully and be Mm. the person that I want to be and am meant to be. And I think I've talked to that about people before, and I think a lot of people, their minds automatically go to the most negative things, like, oh, so you can cheat. And it's like... No, no one's even thinking. No one's thinking about that. I, I want to be able to be myself, which you would be surprised is a, a problem for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, I think <laughs> it's so interesting that you use the word dimming. Yeah. Because you all, you know what we're talking about when you just had to be in a situation where you just had to take it down just yeah. a little bit. We mm-hmm. have to just take it down, where right. you have to, like, not fully. Yes. Be who you wanted who to you be wanted or to say be. what you wanted to say or even go where you wanted to go right. or, you know, and that's not, share what you wanted to share. So the it. dimming, that's a really right. key word.
4: And the last place I would want to have to dim is at home. At home. That's my sanctuary. I, I shall able, not be dimmed. I just won't. And <laughs> I won't have it. I'd just be single. and yeah. So I'm fortunate to find a partner who I still feel I can be. Keith, I said look
3: with. at Keith laughing because oh. I shall not. You know, I shall, we shall not be dead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Just no, because you know why? Abbott would have never happened. Right. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. And I know people don't think that's true, but it is. You know, I've had relationships in the past that were super, super exciting, super hot, and heavy. On paper, might have looked really good. So who knows why Abbott wouldn't have happened. Maybe I would have stayed at work too long. Maybe I would have been spending time
3: with people too long. Or certainly wouldn't have happened the way it is happening. The because way it is happening. You, when you're in the dimming business, yeah. you got to shut down things. I remember I had a boyfriend or well, when I first moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I had to get rid of him because mm-hmm. he was like, you said you were going to be home at 10. That one. Yeah. it's like just... I, mm-hmm. Are you kidding? <laughs> and Are it, you kidding me?
4: And it feels... It's like... I feel boundaryless with him, which makes me more respectful of our relationship. Yes. It makes me have my own boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To, me, to be to made me feel totally free mm-hmm. makes you care about something so much more. And I had a boyfriend who he was very upset that I was getting more attention than him. Oh. At a thing and it didn't make sense to me. You know, he was an he was an artist and he was amazing but up and coming and more people there just happened to know me more because of the internet and i like that and i was like well this is not even logical what you're being upset about oh my god that gosh. was a dim that was and i was like oh boy god. bye oprah <laughs> oh boy i am so happy to to hear you say yeah that's what that's what my husband is completely and i protect and respect that and i'm grateful for it
3: 100 yeah okay <laughs> Before we go, I have to talk about, didn't you play me recently or you're playing me in the weird Al Yankovic story? Have you seen it? No. Okay,
4: so about that, I was just, it's very silly. It's a very silly movie. When it first was brought to me and they asked me to play Oprah, I did say there's no way in the world I can play Oprah Winfrey guys. I am not the person for that job. I don't know who the person for that job is, but it's not me. But then I was handed the script, and I think it was the exact way for me to play you. So I I hope you like it. It's a very silly, fun movie that got rave reviews at TIFF, by the way. How do you think you did as me? I think I did well as you. I think (laughs) I captured your essence, Mm. but it's not a spot on impression because I I would never do that to you. Mm. I don't want to impersonate you. I don't know who will play you in a movie that will be a serious film, but that person better be really, 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 really good. But to me, this is the highest honor of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to seeing. I it. I am so nervous for you to see it, but I think you'll like it. It's uh, silly.
3: Well, it's very silly. Well, I am. Can I just tell you, I am more than proud. I'm exceedingly, Thank exceedingly you. proud. Thank you. Of so much. who you are and who you continue to become. Thank you. And we're all just watching the rising. <laughs> Please tune in. We're going to just keep watching. Yes, yes. Keep watching yes. On ABC. Mm-hmm. We are done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This
4: is great. Oh my gosh, so crazy. This I'm is on, great. Come on, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait until my mom sees this. This is crazy. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Rate and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.
1: Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a foxoliner, moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.